Good evening, and you're very welcome back to the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie for what, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, if you're sick of listening to us all year, is the last episode of the season. We think it's number 29. We can't count that high, though. We're too busy focusing on football. Aaron Clark joins me again for another episode, for the final episode, the final time this year. Aaron, how have you been? Yeah, I've been good. Been busy. I want to. I wouldn't mind thinking when you talk about the final episode of the season. I always think back to when I was in Gothenburg, and then I got asked to do one, and then a couple of weeks later, I get approached. How do you fancy coming on more? And it's it's just blossomed since then. It's it's sad to see it come to an end for the season because it's been a a fun ride, and you know it's been quite enjoyable. And we'll have a good we'll have a good show this evening, and we'll, we'll finish off on on, on a high note. Yeah, we had you earmarked for a while, I'm not going to lie. So uh, Gothenburg was never, ever going to be just a once-off, but it is what it is at the moment. Of course, Cup Final last weekend, you were in attendance. But before we get stuck into it, we might as well also uh, have a chat with our reporter who was at the game as well, covered for Final Whistle, Jeremy Carney. We bring him in, no stranger, of course, to the show. Jeremy, you're very welcome back. Thanks, lads. Thanks for having me back. No problem at all. Uh, I don't know who, Aaron, we'll start with you uh, as the, the resident co-host here. Um, your thoughts on the game so far? Obviously, Shell's won the game 2-0. We all know at this stage. Uh, two goals from a combined distance of about 16 inches. Uh, thoughts on the thoughts on, on the game? Did the right team win? I thought Shell's were very, Shell's were decent, in the first, were decent in the first half. Sort of, they had to get off to an early start. They knew that against that loan. Sort of, Shell's biggest Achilles heel this season has been when they haven't. And couldn't have got off to a much better start. Some people say the keepers fell for the first goal. Slippy ball. Maybe she should have held it. And then Jesse Stapleton. The one thing I will say about her is she continues to make them runs even when she doesn't. When she doesn't get the ball, look at the Wexford game when when she got the goal as well. She made the run that probably ninety nine times out of hundred she doesn't get the ball and it just hit off hit off her body part and went in and then Pearl Slattery when she when she scored the second you sort of thought cruise control for shells. Athlone struggled in the first half. I thought it was, I thought it was maybe a bit of nerves or a bit of they just weren't, they didn't have the experience of the cup final. And it's a it told like you look at Emily Corba had a run in behind when she got past the shells defense and struggled. It was sort of thinking, oh no, this is going to be a long old day. Second half of their credit, Athlone were very good. The goal that was disallowed, I'm sure I'd love to get you guys' opinion from mine. It was when they seen it back, it sort of looks razor tight. You look at the, the camera angle and then you look where the fort, where the linesman is. It's sort of a different type of picture. It's hard. To t- it's hard to tell. And they also had other chances at long. Maddie Gibson had a had a guilt edge chance if she scores that. But I do think if they had scored either one of them chances, they may well have won the cup final. And fair play to Atlon. I think they gave full credit in the second half, and they they didn't relent until the very end. But it was a, it was a an enjoyable cup final. I'd say the players weren't happy with the the last minute deluge of, of Rangers before kick. It made for a good spectacle and. Great to see over 5,000 in talent as well, which is a massive positive. 5,000 for the Women's Cup final is phenomenal, really. When you think about maybe, Aaron, uh, the first couple of cup uh, of finals, we were I, I was lucky enough to be involved in the final myself 16 years ago now, uh, before some of the players maybe on uh, on, on Sunday were out of nappies. Um, <laughs> but there wasn't 5,000 people in, in Richmond Park back in, in 2006. There was maybe five 600. Um, so, and that would have been considered a good crowd. The journey that women's football has been on over the last, particularly the last maybe 18, 24 months, has been colossal. 
massive. And you know what's funny? Just because you say fifty, you say fifteen, sixteen years ago, seventeen years ago, um, Raheem United lost the cup final against Galway. Shauna Fox's auntie was involved in it, and there was a picture of Shauna lifting the cup back then. And the cup hasn't changed. And there's a picture of her holding it on Sunday with Shelburne. I thought it's it's quite poignant to just show us how how so many players get their their inspiration from family members and, and people like that. Where now it's starting to change a little bit. You're right. The, the colossal momentum is is massive, and I think. Realistically, you could you could feel the, the sense of the atmosphere in the in the ground, and to the credit, it wasn't just the shells only. Athlone had a massive crowd there to the left hand side of the press box, and they were quite noisy, even at full time when they lost. And it's great to see things like that. And there's a lot of talk now: Will Ireland get a big game in the Aviva before they head off to the World Cup? You know, we're talking about these sort of things. But for me, the fact of getting five thousand, they said three thousand last year at the Cup final. And I had no disrespect to the last year's cup final, but there wasn't there was nowhere near three thousand there. The East Stand was empty, the South Stand was was almost empty. The weather was poor. But this year they come out in their droves and fair play to fair play to the crowd for coming out and making it a spectacle. But like RTE showing the games, I do think TG Carr has made a massive difference though this year with the ten games. I think having the tickets on sale before even the nearly the quarterfinal of the cup took place where where if I'm coaching a, a girls' team in Cork or Limerick or Sligo or Donegal or wherever, we can make an event out of it with two or three months planning. I think credit to the FAI for facilitating that this year. Now, it should have been happening a long time ago, but I suppose if you didn't plant an oak 40 years ago, the best time is now. And I think the FAI deserves some credit for that. I know we're not necessarily always on, on, on the agreement with what the FAI do around the league, but, but for that, I think they do deserve a bit of credit. Like, I know, yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't know what you think, but I think Emma Clinton coming in this year as part of the women's social media coordinator has been massive. Some of the content, the videos she's put out, things like that have just brought it on as well to another another level. And I think that helps because the FAI is starting to step up and put a lot of promotion into it. Like the funny thing is, I was watching YouTube and I'm seeing ads for the cup final. I'm seeing ads for women's internationals. When do we ever see them in previous years? We don't. And that's the sort of thing that with the new generation of people if you can get the ads on the likes of TikTok, Instagram, they're going to look at them and that's where they're going to see, oh, this is on. And I think that's a smart strategic marketing, but I definitely think the fact of putting the cup final tickets was amazing. Like you even have people like Derma making the trip up from Kerry to watch the cup final because he wanted to be there, you know, and I think that's quite a, a show a show of how far the game has come. Yeah, well, I, I have to agree with you on everything you said about uh, McClinton's contribution. A questionable tweet today uh, about the rivalries in the Women's National League. Rovers aren't even in the league yet, uh, so it's uh, it's it's a bit premature. But we are where we are. Jeremy, we'll go to you for a second. And uh, you're kind of nice and quiet over there as my phone starts to have it here. I don't know if you turn it off. But, uh, talk to us about the game itself. Six minutes in, Jesse Stapleton opens the score. And... Um, do you, do you agree with the, with the sentiment that it wasn't a foul? Because there was questionable uh, this questionable kind of commentary from Athlone's side that maybe Neve Coombs had been impeded in that free kick. Yeah, t- to be honest, in the press box, when the ball went into the net, we all kind of turned to each other and went, it's a goal. We were like, we, we didn't know. Like The ball went in. We thought that Neve had grabbed it, had claimed it, and then that she was maybe pushed into the goal and it might have spilled out of her hands. We didn't really know what much about what was actually happening. When we watched it back on the replay, some people had said it was a foul. It looked like she had just, it just had slipped through her hands and just hit off Jesse Stapleton and went into the net. Very much a fortuitous goal nonetheless. The second goal, again, it was just another set piece and they weren't able to, to clear it. And 
you thought that it was going to be fairly much from there. Even I, I agree with Aaron. It, it looked like it could have been one-way traffic. There was a good ball played down to Emily Corbett on the wing. She tried to cut inside. There wasn't a player there for her to put the ball into the box. She, it was just cleared, and, and from there, they didn't really create many chances in that first half. But in the second half, they were a different animal. They made a triple change, and they looked they looked stronger. Uh, when they scored, when well, I say when they scored, when the ball went into the net from from that Scarlet Heron header, we all thought it was in the back of the net. Naturally enough, everyone from Athlone and the, the traveling support from Athlone, it really the atmosphere was was unbelievable at the game. It felt like a proper cup final. Even going out to Tala, getting the Lewis out there, there was fans from both teams. There was atmosphere going out there. You know, fans were getting rowdy. It just felt like a proper a proper tie, and. You know, when the ball was in the net and then the flag went up and there was boos and whistles and everyone said, oh, that's a goal. And the Athlone media team, I can't say what they said down to the pitch to, to Tommy about the, about the goal itself, but they were like, they were fully incensed and we watched the replays back and, you know, even even it was right, I suppose, to the left of where, of where we were. It looked in play. It looked like they were, they were onside. It should have counted. Um, and as Aaron said, that Madison Gibson chance as well, if that had gone in, it would have made for a nervy final 10 minutes. And I know having haven't spoke to, to the likes of Megan Smith Lynch after the game, they were they were waiting for that for that whistle and even talking to Tommy after the game as well. He believes that you know if they had gotten if they'd gotten the first goal, they would have gone on to win the game. So, you know, it was a very it was a very entertaining final and definitely one that at loan shouldn't be too uh, disheartened by that they didn't get the win on the day. Bethany, just on just on 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 one thing that Thurman said, the triple change when he brought Kate Slevin. Bit of a delay there, I think, with Aaron's uh, audio. Here. Can, uh, you hear, can you hear me now? Yeah, you're, you're going to say uh, Kate Slevin. The triple change. Well, the, the triple change when he brought Kelly Brennan and Kate Slevin on. Kelly Brennan was absolutely phenomenal mm. in the second half when she came on. I thought Kate Slevin added 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 some to as well, and they just they sort of said, you know what? Let's throw the shackles away. Let's just go at it. And let's just, if we get beaten four or five nil, we get beaten because they just went for it and went for it and went for it. And they just pinned Shelburne back and Shelburne defense to their credit. They didn't concede many clear cut chances, but Athlone were going and going and going at them. It was relentless. They were just trying to kick the ball long nearly at stage, just clear at stages. And I thought if they could have got one, they probably could have got two or two or three. But I think the Shell's defense done well to, to limit the chances that they actually had. And in terms of in terms of Athlone, like I thought, even I know I know they could see the goals, but even you see Jessica Hennessy stepping out of stepping out of the fence, making runs forward with the ball, looking so composed, so relaxed. I think it just it just showed that I really think that if Athlone had another year of maturity and they were in that situation again, they may handle it slightly different. They may ha- they may look to do things slightly different than. It, it, it just shows that, like, I think Shelburne's experience probably got them over the line in, in the end. And I think, for credit to the likes of Pearl Slattery, I think Noel Murray has seven, six or seven FAI Cup titles now between Rahini and um, Shelburne. I think she's won one with Catherine's as well, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, they have a lot of winners in that team. And there's no reason why Athlone can't, can't bounce back to where they were. Second best team in the country this year all round. There's no re- the, the, They could easily be back there next year. It's... It was it was it was a day that was it was a truly enjoyable cup final and like the one thing that we don't think we mentioned the Athlone fans but we didn't mention the fact that the drums and all with them they were making so much racket and <laughs> and evoke sort of evoked on a good thing that 
They were giving out red flags. They were giving out blue and black flags to people coming into the stadium, which that added to the colour as well. It's like it's like if you go to a different sport, if you go to some other sports, like I was in the Aviva on the Saturday evening and Ireland had flags in the back of the chairs. That's what it felt like because all the flags were being given out free. And I definitely think that sort of added to it as well. Yeah, those kind of displays really, really do help on the night. I suppose it also drags people who are there maybe for the first time in a game. 5,000 people haven't been going to games regularly all season. So uh, it does kind of drag them into the event and make kind of a, a whole spectacle of it. I'm going to pull you back uh, in, in a little while to talk about, you mentioned about an extra year, and whether Athlone will manage to, to have that squad available next year. Because I think we're looking into a winter of, uh, of a lot of change and a lot of, uh, I suppose, new looks across the league we had the announcement this week of two new teams in the league no unexpected announcements really but Shamrock Rovers and Sligo are already in the league obviously but Shamrock Rovers and Galway United enter Galway United obviously take the place of Galway WFC Shamrock Rovers become the 11th side it's the biggest the league has ever been Shamrock Rovers arguably uh, if r- rumours are to be believed, probably the biggest budget that any team has had in the league and the biggest investment and probably um step up from what other teams are doing at the moment again if rumors are to be believed we, we talked to collie a while back he wouldn't really tell us uh, much about that um Aaron, your thoughts on maybe on, on what we can expect to see next year what might change what could stay the same firstly i'm gonna use my my political hat here i'm not i'm not too pleased that there's 11 teams in the league i absolutely hate the odd number of teams especially when there's but when there's cup fixtures or there's internationals and teams that are sitting out for a long time that's the first one i hate 11 i would have loved 12 but it's great to see the leagues extending now to be honest which it's probably going to be the most chaotic off season we've ever had there's no doubt about it i think the fact that if you look at the article that came out from dan mcdonald in, in the independent where they talked that the financials that are coming into the league of ireland some of them are going to come into the women's national league as well that's going to put pressure on some clubs as well to to have to pay stuff that they may not be able may not be able to afford so there's lots of things your only concern we've said this before is teams don't put themselves over their means that they then pull out because they can't afford it it's that's my main concern what's going to happen in this off season but the biggest thing is the players are going to be the winners because there's no opportunities there for for them that probably wasn't there and they're they're going to look to take advantage of them we expect to see some big moves um Shelburne obviously will be looking to strengthen up strengthen up where they are. Rovers, Rovers are going to be aggressively now that. We'd expect to see other other clubs like you always you always get with a Bowes and Rovers. If if if, if Rovers are doing something, what are Bowes going to do? Are Bowes going to try and do something similar? That's the question. Then Shells, what are Shells going to Shells will probably want to be matching them. Just talk of Southampton buying us the Southampton owners buying a stake in, in Shelburne. Will that help as well with the women's team? But I think the biggest thing is while we're talking about budgets and stuff like that, that's all well and good, but unless we potentially move to a semi-pro league, that's not really going to be a help because of the fact that the amateur status probably doesn't allow some of what's being offered. So that's something we'd be looking to keep a close eye on to see does it happen in the off-season. But you're right in what you're saying. As much as the likes of Athlone will probably have to watch over the back because the likes of Galway will, will, will be looking at players. You'll have to... If it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough one. It's a strange off-season. I think all the all the lower down teams, like the likes of your your Sligo Rovers, your your Treaty United, any of their young best players, the, the so called bigger sides, will all be looking to try and poach them and try and grab them coming into next season because it's probably going to be the most competitive national league again to what we what we what we've seen and with so many different underage teams winning leagues and cups as well, it, it bodes well for 
some good players coming through as well. So I'm I'm one that's going to watch with a keen eye how it all unfolds and, and what happens because it's de- it's definitely going to be an exciting off season. Four minutes and you actually said nothing. That's the top <laughs> politician you go for election uh, next time. The councillors uh, look for people. I put you forward myself, uh, Aaron, and that was masterfully uh, dealt with. But in terms of the impact, obviously, a new club in Dublin does mean that it will have some impact, even if it's just for sponsors, for um, supporters, for players, for coaching expertise, for even the people behind the scenes, the, the medical support, the the media teams in these clubs. It's gonna it, it'll bring so much, but it will also put a lot of strain on those other clubs, particularly maybe the ones geographically close to them. I'm thinking DLR, I'm thinking uh, Piedmont in the immediate sense uh, on that side of the river. But of course, you do have shells and bows um, impacted as well. Hundred percent, and it, the, the problem is, is we don't know the extent of the impact yet, and that's the, that's a scary thing because if, if all the rumors are to be believed and what we think, what we hear is going to happen, it could have a much bigger impact than we than we realize. I think from a Rovers' point of view, I think they need to be strategic with maybe their game placement next year. For for example, when they're, where they're going to play, I think if they want to if they if they want to put capitalize on on the momentum that they start the game, maybe playing either playing a Sunday or playing. If they can play on a Friday night, if the men are away or something like that, to try and capitalise on not playing the same time as all the other National League teams in Dublin, I think that's the biggest thing from from a fan point of view that, that gets frustrated is that a lot of Dublin games sometimes they tend to clash. Or say, for example, Shells are two, DLR are four. You can't really go one then the other. It's sort of a bit. It's a bit frustrating in that sense, but. Like, well, you are the exception, Aaron, to be fair. There's not many people go to as many games as you are. Jim, from your point of view, of course, uh, when we go down the grades in the under-19, under-17 teams, you're based in Kerry, but there's more exposure for girls down that part of the country and the whole west of Ireland, really, under-19 grades. We're seeing a new team in Cove. They'll, they'll give a bit of competition to Cork City down there in the Rebel County. Phil Harps, uh, they come into the league as well. I, it doesn't quite clearly say in the in the um statement but i'm guessing at the expense of the donegal so i can i can i can come in on that just quickly there was actually an announcement a couple of weeks ago that finn harps and donegal league have actually merged so it's going to be a joint partnership yeah i think the international league were part of that as well but jeremy from your point of view as someone who also lives on the west coast um the idea that cove finn harps galway treaty are coming in at that level that kind of bridge between 17s and 19s that's got to be positive for for rural ireland as well it does a hundred percent. I know. Um, yesterday we were chatting to to Erin McLaughlin, who's who's from, from Donegal, and she's in, she obviously went to Piedmont this season for her first season down south in the WNL, and she was talking about when she played up up in Donegal, and that their league had actually disbanded this season, it just collapsed, and they were hoping to get it back going. And now with the likes of Finn Harps coming on board, as Aaron mentioned there, and trying to merge with with the league itself. That's going to be huge for, for for that side of the world that they have that platform, and then you know we could see perhaps develop a senior team in the next couple of seasons. But to have that kind of under seventeen, under nineteen structure is huge as well with the likes of of treaties. Well, it's going to be big, but as we mentioned there with with, with the senior teams, the budgets and, and bringing in those players, we've seen the likes of treaty, especially in the in the men's. They've been very much amateur, kind of semi pro in a sense as well. You know, will players want to play for the likes of Treaty or will they want to to, to go to the, the different teams that will be seen? But, you know, we've seen Treaty produce so many different academy players. They've had a lot of youngsters coming through that squad. And it's great to see that they're being able to give 
give that chance to play in a league like the Women's National League, come up against some top class current into Irish internationals, ex-Irish internationals, just players that are that are outstanding. And, you know, to have, you know, new teams coming into the under 17, under 19 ranks, it's only going to benefit the, the future of, of soccer in this country for for girls and, and women in general. Yeah, that stuff is also mirrored, of course, at the under, um, sorry, I've lost the, the email here now, uh, at the under 17 level, a couple of new teams there, up to 19 total going out, of course, we expected to come into that, Finharp, Strahada, Longford and St. Patrick's Athletic, those three are probably the most exciting additions to me because it's the first time they've been at this level, Drogheda United, uh, Longford Town and St. Patrick's Athletic, um, St. Pat's again, not a million miles down the road from Tala, um, it's, it's, it's another Dublin-focused team, but at the same time, of the six new teams in that grade, or the five new teams in that grade, only one of them from the capital, the rest, again, providing that platform outside. And we're really beginning to see the National Leagues take shape, Aaron. I want to throw a spanner into the works here. The likes of Pats coming in, that could be the case when they're ready to come into senior football, that we potentially go to the second division have the two mm-hmm. leagues. So that's when they could potentially be ready to come in. Like you've seen with Rovers, Rovers had a couple of teams underage as well. I think we are seeing more and more of the National League teams getting involved, but you just want to be careful that it's it's done it's done right. It's not just because they have to do it or because there's more grants that it is actually the commitments are being given because to have a women's team, it's, it does a lot in it. It's we can see with, with the bounce with the bounce that we've got at the moment. It's even getting even bigger. So there's more and more commitments that are required. Just want to pick up on on a couple of things. Like even for me, for me in terms of the, where down down towards where Dermot is, like it's great to see more and more people in that more and more teams in that region. We need more and more. Like I've said it on the record before. Like Savannah McCarthy is one of my favorite players mm-hmm. from Kerry and. For, for not many soccer players at that level. You've got the Denny, he's obviously put not many produced at an international level from, from down there. And I think if we could get more and tap into that region, there's so much more potential in the likes of Limerick, Kerry, Tipperary, Clare, you know, within that region. And I think that, that can only help the, 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 the growth of the women's game. From a, a treaty point of view, though, it's disappointing to hear Donna Reardon leaving. And um, we had him on the show and how positive he was. Says additional commute, commute additional commitments. It's it's sad because I thought he'd done good work, but I think the likes of three D, as Dermot said, the amateur status is probably a bit of a bit of a conundrum. But the problem is then the likes of Cork could potentially have the same thing, so they're, they're, they may be fighting over the same pool of players. And we saw a mass exodus in, in the middle of the season for treaty, which didn't help him. a lot of the youngsters going to the likes of Wexford, which probably killed them, and then Julian Keenan going to Athlone. Where they probably did, they probably didn't expect. I think from a tr- the only way for me to treat you're going to flourish, and I know they do. I think they train there as well. Is if they get the looks of a partnership with UL or or mm-hmm. LIT, they get the partnership with the universities, and that way they can actually offer something to, for the players to want to be there and to the players to want to to play in that region. Because at the moment, it's 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 going to be a tough road for them for them to continue to grow. And the last thing you want is, you, and you, you don't mean to be disrespectful, but you don't want to see teams left behind in the National League. And that's that's your fear at the moment. And it's it's a, it's a scary time ahead in, in that sense because feeling while feeling a, a team of youngsters week in, week out is great, you don't like to see teams being beaten and being beaten convincingly week in, week out as well. So I hope that we can get a lot more improvement along that sort of lines. Well, talk to me for a minute about... Um, Galway because they're also looking for a manager at the moment um, nobody quite knows what's happening there they appointed their underage coaches during the week um, but they are still holding out for a, 
a senior manager, will Alan Murphy put his name forward? Will he be uh, approached? He's obviously held the men's position in the club before. Is there history there? Not quite sure. Um, good history, bad history, who knows? Uh, but Galway seems to be quite excited at the moment, and probably down to the uh, former manager there, of course, Billy Cleary, um, who's now managed in the university side. And there's a, an overlap there in terms of the admin. I know Port de Burka and Billy both involved with the university as well. Um, 11 nil winners today uh, with three hat tricks um, for, for a, a range of players on the, on the sides. Uh, Sean O'Brien got a hat trick. Chloe Singleton got four. And Emily Corbett got three of the 11. Anna Fahi back after a, uh, an ACL, I think, uh, last year. So she's back uh, with her first game and first goal in a late cameo there as well for, for that side. And, but you look down through that team, it's just packed full of WNL stars. Could we see um, a strong Galway attract players from Sligo, Treaty, Athlone? Um, could they come? Because they've, they've threatened to come good for so long. Could the addition of, of senior football, men's senior football, and Galway United bring that up another level? Or are we destined to see kind of more of the same from Galway, do you think? Maybe, Chairman, if I ask you that, that first. Um. Yeah, I, I, definitely. I suppose, look, Galway have Galway impressed this year as well. Now, at the end of the season, when, you know, the news had broke that the Galway WFC were leaving the league, I don't know if that had an effect on the players going, you know, what are we going to do next season? Are we going to have a team? And then, you know, at the end of it, obviously, we heard that Galway United were interested in taking it over, did want to take it over. But we were just waiting for confirmation, which we got yesterday. They do have, you know, phenomenal players coming through that, that academy. They've brought them up this year and senior players. I know Aaron mentioned the likes of Savannah McCarthy is there as well, but they've got, uh, I suppose they've got a wealth of players that are that are there capable of doing it, whether we'll see the budget coming in now with Galway United, whether they will attract some, some bigger players to make the move out. You mentioned there the likes of, you know, Tracy's isn't too far away. Are we going to see, you know, people that are from, the region who have moved you know elsewhere would they say i can come home now and i can play with, with Galway united and we can compete and actually try and win the league title next season instead of going at a different club like, there's going to be so many ifs and buts over this this um this winter period of you know what's going to happen there's definitely going to be a lot of change next year um i'm i'm scared to see what's going to happen for some smaller teams if you know the bigger teams start poaching couple of players um will we see teams you know falter next season and it's like you know a big five and then the rest are just just kind of sat there just kind of fighting amongst each other for places it, it, it's going to be interesting in in that regards but i'd like i like to see the league remain competitive it was very competitive this year i want to see a competitive again next season it's just going to be interesting with two teams the likes of galway and rovers what budgets are they going to bring in next season against the likes of a of a Treaty United who might be fielding a team of under 19s next season. It's going to be it's going to be a tough one to, to call, to be honest. Aaron, your thoughts on the impact of Galway United versus Galway WFC? Does it matter what crest is on the club? They're playing the same ground, or, or is it that little bit of a step up when you're actually playing for the official um established historic side in, in senior football in the region? You don't want to be disrespectful to, to Galway women's FC, but you, you'd hope with the fact of it's Galway United. It's such an iconic brand in Galway. I do have concerns over 
the merger, just how it's going to work. We've seen a couple of years ago when Shelburne merged with Raheny United, it took a little, it took a good bit of time for the merger to properly settle in. So there's obviously going to be teething cracks. We don't know what part, what, what people in Galway, WSC are going to make the move over to help out with Galway United. And until we really know a lot more behind the scenes, how things are going to be run, how things are going to be, it's hard to say. It could be a case that it could be just a, a, a new name and that's it. Not a lot much changes, but I do think from their point of view, a new man, the manager, whoever they get, they A, need to get them in soon, and B, they need to make sure that they have a, a good, strong credentials in women's football because in order for it to attract players at this level, they're going to have to have a high calibre there. As you said earlier, you, you raised a good point, Breffney. Alan Murphy is was the bad club when he left the men's side. We don't know. He's obviously played for the club as well. So has has he applied? No, nobody knows. Who who else will be interested? I I I would assume with Billy Cleary being with the colleges, he may not be interested at the time. It may not be a, a time that suits him for the moment. But I just think they need to have somebody who knows Galway and has good women's credentials because they need to. They nearly need to do a a bit of a a, a Rory Higgins. Or what he done with, with Derry, or Declan Devine, what he done with Derry, but he sort of got the players in and that they know what it means to play for Derry. He got them to do so. Needing they know what they need, what, what it is to play for Galway, because I think if the players can buy in, it could be a very successful project. But as Dermot says, we don't know what sort of budgets or what sort of things they're going to have. I think the fact that, as Julianne Russell said to us earlier in the season, she's building a house in Galway means she's pretty much safe there. And I think using the likes of Julianne to attract players, Chloe Singleton that could help using them sort of players to get others in. And I think if it's done right, it could be it could be a very, very successful and we could see Galway WSC winning trophies because they have had good underage structures and good things. My only, my only other thing is players have tended to go off and play Gaelic football and stuff like that with Galway WFC or, you know, go into other sports. If they go to Galway United, will they be allowed to do that? Will they have to commit to one or the other? And, that's sort of something that I think if they if they are to prosper, that they maybe need to have the players fully on board and not maybe playing with other sports because it's it's definitely suffered for, suffered from them in the last couple of years. Yeah, we've seen Rachel Kearns and Kate Slevin both uh, kind of leave the club over those type of issues in recent years. It's it's a interesting time to head, but there's lots of potential in Galway. There's a couple of names you've mentioned one or two. Billy Cleary's name is in there. Alan Murphy potentially could be in there. Stephen Lally, of course, uh, was. Uh, involved with the team as recently as last year good pedigrees in the women's game as well as um, like the likes of Phil Trill and others who've been involved uh, at underage level with Galway in, in recent years assistant manager uh, to Alan last year as well so there's four names that immediately come to mind when I think of Galway football amongst others mm-hmm. uh, Eva Flatley probably would have been in there but she's uh, working with the, the FAI now so and it might be a little bit earlier her development to be a head coach at that level but at the same time uh, she's a name that's in the, in the reckoning so there is potential there for, for someone else to come out from, from the woodwork from the local game as well. Uh, so interesting to see what happens there. And um, in terms of that, we know those two are vacant. Um, looking around the rest of the league, there's nine other managers. Do we think we'll see all nine at the start of next season? Uh, I know we've kind of talked, to, we tried to press him on when he was on the show, uh, James McCallan, about his plans for next year. Uh, will he still be at Piedmont next year? Two years ago in the league is... Is is that a good enough response? The second half of the season was very impressive from them this year. Um, if the Sligo Rovers game the first day of the season had hadn't been gone the way it was, it did go. They could potentially have won the league. Um, so um, they weren't a million miles off the pace. But do they need a new fresh voice in the? Oh, James is going to kill us now. We get text from after the show. Um, 
do they need a fresh voice in the dressing room or or can he pull that back and recover? It's it's a difficult one because I, I know James quite well and I, I know how much it means to him to, to manage P-Mount and to do them sort of things. So like it's it, it's hard because when we know what's coming in as well, it's can if, if he's gonna stay, can the club back him to what he needs to be back so he can attract players and he can he can get players to come and, and, and play for, for P Mount. That's the biggest thing. I think they've got the underage final, so we know there is some some good underage players there. It, it just depends on James how much the, the hunger is there. He's been he's been with P Mount a lot a long, long time. I think he first came in and was a twenty he's been he's been underage managers for for a long time since his daughter Lauren has been coming up through the ranks, and then he, he was involved in senior team, I think, from about 2016 2015. So he's been in and around there for quite a long time, and it all depends on much James James has the hunger. I'd say he's probably going to reflect back on this season and just think of the times where maybe the performances let the performances weren't where they were that that sort of let them down because there's no doubt about it that they had a title winning team this season, and I think it's a tough it's a tough one to say. Um, like I think whether he stays or doesn't stay, I think it's important that we keep people like James O'Callaghan involved in the women's game. I think they're you know they're massive to helping helping the leagues go forward and, and grow because I think people who have a lot of passion for the league and you can see how much commitment he's put in, you don't want to lose them sort of people. In terms of other managerial vacancies, could we potentially have a couple? It remains to be seen. I think for me. The, the, the fact that when we spoke about this multiple times, Cork City nailing Danny Murphy down is, is probably is vital because that was one that you would probably say if, if Danny was to go back across the water that they, they would have had to replace. But I think for him, it's it's good to see. I'm not sure how many we will have. Um, Jim, we have you know, in terms of uh, one manager appointment, uh, and sitting, if you were to put yourself in Noel King's position, he won the league last year. He's gone and won better this year. He's won both competitions. Um, there's extra competition next year. Do you get out on top? Do you leave with an unblemished record in terms of league championships? It's a, diff- it's a, it's a difficult one. It's a, it's a difficult one because, you know, I'd say you'll probably, you may also have to assess the situation in terms of what players are there next year. They're going to be there next year. There's no doubt the likes of Jesse Stapleton is going to get on, it's going to get an awful lot of attention anyway. Um, I think one of the one of the newspapers last week mentioned a couple of clubs that were interested in it. So. Could they have a mass exit again next summer? But then again, if they have the players tied down on, on contracts, that may help. That may help them as well. So they might be allowed to have them on contracts, though. The other side. Yeah. Jim, your your thoughts on on that situation, Charles? Um, I, I don't know. Like, like Noel, Noel was in was in great was in great spirit after the game the last day. I don't know if if he knew himself that it was going to be, I suppose the the last hurrah with with shells. Whether it was like I'm just going to to leave as, as the manager that, that won the double with, with with shells like i suppose he needs to sit down as aaron said there like you know what squad is he going to have next year are we going to get player announcements at the likes of galway and shamrock rovers or who are they going to recruit um whether noel wants to to, to fight in a, in a more maybe a more competitive league with with two newer teams coming in next season or whether he just says look i want to give it to to, to someone else and um you know the likes of of james at p mount as well like he's he's such a big influence as well like he's one of those managers that players will will be attracted to if he contacts a player and says here do you want to play for p mount players are going to want to play under under him i know that was the, that was the case with with aaron, aaron mclaughlin that it was like oh you know james contacted me and said do you want to train for p mount and you know now you're a p mount it's 
know, it, it, he's he's got that, you know, that star power. You know, you mentioned, you know, certain players at clubs, people wanting to play with them, but under good management as well. Um, you know, if he can if he can bring in a couple of players, you know, Piemont could have easily challenged for the title this year, but you know, they're not going to be dead, dead and buried after after one bad season. You know, they might come back, definitely come back again next year. But look, there's as I said, there's there's a lot of question marks. But if, as far as Noel at, at Shells, I, I can't see him leaving unless something really serious right. happens behind the scenes. How much money these new investors pour in? <laughs> yeah. and like, oh, let's go yeah. get someone uh, with real, real, real star quality. But then Noel brings that former Ireland manager for mm-hmm. over a decade as well with the women's national team. Um, looking forward, but and speaking of the women's national team, and Aaron McLaughlin, of course, they're in um, camp in Spain at the moment, and they face Morocco on Monday. Aaron, your thoughts on that clash? Uh, obviously, they have um, African opposition in the World Cup next year. I'm sure that's kind of half the reason behind uh, this particular fixture. Um, will they get much out of Morocco on Monday? Morocco are in the World Cup as well, so Morocco have a, have a lot to build build upon as well. They'll be using this as their, as their preparation. I think the fact that they're playing a behind closed doors game as well, sorry, we're training match as well in, in the lead up to it against the same opposition, sort of like what they've done against Australia last year. I think for the fact of how late it was organizing organizing um, games and stuff like that, it didn't help that the Sergeants had to take. I think the fact that they've had a camp this this week is massive. If they didn't. It'd have been a big wasted opportunity with the with the with the camps limited between now and the the World Cup. You've only really got February, April, and then you've got the June one leading into the World Cup. So there's not a lot of time. You you would be interested to see if she gives some players a, a try. I know she's brought in one or two players who maybe haven't got experience. I think I think that the surprise name on everybody's lips was was Kate Keane from Shelburne, who hasn't made her women's national league debut. I'd be I'd be interested to hear more from Vera just about the the reason behind that, especially with 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 a lot of good goalkeepers in the league. Maybe she's felt she's felt that from seeing her in home base that they 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 wanted to just bring her in for a bit of experience. I think from from while from a Kate from Kate's point of view, it's a it's a golden opportunity to go learn with three professional goalkeepers for for a week and and learn and get a lot of a lot of good benefits out of it. I think I I I think that the game is definitely useful. I think she'll try players out in this game. She sort of hinted previously that she would try and get a couple of players out. Louise Quinn could win her 100th cap in this game as well, Breffney, which is a, a massive milestone. Denise O'Sullivan isn't far behind. I think she's only two or three behind. So a couple of Irish players as well, also leading up to big milestones in the next couple of weeks. But I think it's a worthwhile friendly. It's it's good to get the squad in together and just to, to use use the time to, to build on preparations. Jeremy, you uh, had the press conference yesterday. You attended that as well. Uh, your thoughts on on the mood in the camp when speaking to the, the girls over the weekend, over the last couple of days? Yeah, the the all the girls seem seem positive about it. They're all, I suppose, going in with the same mentality that you know they're fighting for a place in that World Cup squad. They all want to to put their names down on the list to go to Australia next summer. It's you know it's going to be an historic tournament. It's going to be the first uh, first of its kind for for an Ireland women's team. So. You know they, they want to to get there and i know the likes of you know kira grant is back in the squad she's obviously a, a, an older international player she will want to come back into the team izzy atkinson is back into the team as well not getting as much game time as she would like at the moment having moved to, to west ham from celtic did very well at celtic was very good at shells as well but her opportunities weren't um as there as she would have hoped so she wants to 
to come in now and, and, and impress Vera. So I suppose everyone everyone has that mentality now of, you know, they want to come in. There is obviously a lot of people who are on the treatment table at the moment that, you know, are they going to get the opportunity later on? I suppose next next year, one or two camps, are they going to be back in time? Or um, I believe Leanne Kiernan, oh no, sorry, is it um, Jess Zhu isn't going to make it to Australia next year? I think that's, that's what go, I've touch, heard. Touch and go. So she's only had her ACL surgery just yeah. just recently. Adam Malloy obviously had hers not, not too long mm-hmm. ago as well. Both being involved in big parts of the camp. Yeah, yeah, like there's you know if 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 those two can't go, obviously there's play, there's players that need that need filling, and you know I think that's what I think that's what Vera is trying to do now. She's trying to bring up players, um, you know, players that have impressed in the home based training camps as well as those who are obviously um played in in the women's nationally more senior players or even players that are playing overseas as well. So, you know, it's 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 exciting, and hopefully you know taking on a team like Morocco who are established and will be in the World Cup as well will definitely help to. To get those minutes instead of playing a friendly like i suppose like what we saw with georgia in the qualifiers where it didn't really help Ireland, yeah. to be honest that game of course taking place on monday evening five o'clock irish time i would imagine it would be available on youtube to watch with a full the fa the fa i said they'll, they'll announce streaming details prior to the prior to the game so i'd assume by saturday we should have should have details absolutely well listen that's the the, the women's stuff i do want to before we wrap up for the whole season because we are about 10 minutes 15 minutes left in the season of the show um i do want to take a little bit of a recap back through the season and through some of the really really impressive performances that we've seen from all 10 teams all maybe a couple hundred players who've played in the league this year and there's been some really really good goals really really good moments and so i have a list of categories here it's a bit off the cuff i haven't heard this with you so I'm not looking for outright winners, but I'm looking for people who should be in the shakeup for that particular discussion. So if we were to go with, uh, let's start with the bottom, uh, best goal you saw this year. Ooh, that's a that's a tough one. I think oh. I think Eve Mangan's free kick against Cork, uh, for Cork against Treaty was very good. Um, Katie Malone's lob against Shelburne. Um, for for DLR waves and the ball was was brilliant. It's a, it's a really tough it's a really tough category. I think there's been a lot of very 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 good goals. I think we've seen we've seen with the fact that more and more women are getting nominated for the likes of the Goal of the Month award this year compared to maybe previous months compared to the league of, with the League of Ireland. I think has shown just the quality of goals has improved. I think you could you you could nearly put a, a YouTube video together and probably get about 20, 30 absolute superb strikes in this season it's we've had some 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 belters belters this year yeah for me Ellen Roy scored one early on in the year uh just one two at the whole way up the pitch and just took it in the back of the net and I'm just uh very impressed with that but like you could put a, a run of Ellen Roy goals together as well <laughs> yeah. actually just while just while while you mentioned Wexford I think there's two that stand out two from a Wexford game that stand out to me I think Sarah McEvitt's goal against Wexford in Ferry Carrick Park, where she just took the ball on the right after running onto a true ball, literally cut inside on the left, cut inside on the left, and just pinged it into the top corner. It was a peach of a strike, and then a couple of minutes later, Akira Rossler done something similar, went the other way. I think we've been we've been blessed with with with, with great goals. You're right, Brefney could nearly have a an Elamoloi collection. I think Emily Corbett scored some crackers as well. You mentioned Sarah McKeever, one has just come to to mind, and that was uh, DLR against Sligo up in the showgrounds early on in the season, and it's probably the best 
cross and header combo I've ever seen in women's football. And it was a pinged effort from the corner flank from Sarah McKevitt. She skinned the defender, whipped it across. I think it was Rachel Doyle from the back of the net with a really, really I remember, I remember that goal. That was an absolute cracker of a goal. So yeah. but we're not picking definite winners, as I said, but they're all in the shakeup. We've probably forgotten more than we remember as well. Um, in terms of the best moment of the season, what was your highlight stands out it might be one of the, the weaker sides having a little scalp off the bigger ones or or just but the, the best moment you thought that's why i watch football sligo rovers start with you sorry <laughs> who was it sligo rovers against wexford youths which or, Sli or sligo against shelburne when when they were two nil down at half time the sligo shelburne two nil down at half time and just a scintillating second half from sligo that was the moment for me that i was like these are these are good young up and coming side. I think that's probably the moment for me, probably one of the moments for me. Yeah, I was at the Sligo Rovers Wexford game, um, and the save from Amy Mahan was just phenomenal. Um, and Kylie Murphy, I felt for her at the end of the game, but Wexford probably deserved to at least get a point in that game. But Sligo's performance was just phenomenal, and for Amy Mahan to save the penalty that day was was absolutely phenomenal so i think that's probably a good choice but i go for that specific moment in that game the goal was all right but the the, the save was just unbelievable at the time jeremy do you highlight of the, of the season so far oh, there's there's so many that um that three three draw between piemont and wexford had everything at the end of the season the you know uh piemont are there okay wexford are back and then it was you know so late and it's like okay it's going to come down to the final day but for me, anything involving Athlone has been a joy to watch this year just because of how how they played, the scalps that they've taken, that they just had that that attitude of, we don't care who you are, we'll just play the way we are and we'll get the results. And, you know, to to beat Shelburne at their own backyard as well, it was just, that was just an amazing game. They just, they played, they just played really well. And um, it's so hard just to pick one definitive moment though from the season. To be quite it's funny. It's funny. I actually said I actually said before the show, and I completely forgot until Dermot mentioned that loan. At the moment for me of the season, one of the moments for me of the season is that loan beating P Mount in P Mount because that's the first time mm. that people really took notice of Athlone. Yeah. I think the second half performance to, to limit P Mount to just hitting shots from distance and hitting the crossbar from distance for me that was the moment that we we thought Athlone are real title contenders. Yeah, uh, best goalkeeper this year. Derm, I'll let you go first. Ooh. Oh, I'll take this because there's a couple of options. I'm a former goalkeeper, so for me, mm. this is the one I kind of pay most attention to. My favorite goalkeeper in the league is Eve Badana. I think she's had a phenomenal mm. season, but for me, I wouldn't be giving her the award as such this year. I just don't think DLR as a, as a collective were strong enough. But for me, I think Amy Mahan was a phenomenal addition to the league. She came in in probably not expecting to get much game time, and she had a huge impact, particularly in the early half of the season, and um, that maybe second quarter of the season when Sligo were actually one of the best form sides in the league. Um, but I think for me, I probably have to go with uh, Neve Coombs as as the best choice for both. I know she had a howler at the weekend, mm. um, but I think overall across the whole season, I felt she was a solid as a rock at the back for Athlone and, and she was the foundation that that whole team grew with confidence through the season um, she was de she's definitely up there she's definitely up there for me rachel kelly Boas for the fact that she has never had a settled defense once all year and the fact of she kept bows in games so many times where they should have been dead and buried 
And as for me, I just the fact that she did, she was even rewarded with the club's player of the year. She'd be right right up there for me. Neve Coombs, do you know what? I feel so sorry for Neve. The cup final yeah. didn't go away, but she's had a brilliant she's had a brilliant brilliant year. I think Maeve Williams has learned an awful lot from this year, considering yeah. it's her first year stepping in when um when when Dolly from Wexford Dudes, the goalkeeper, um got pregnant. So she she actually she she stood in for her and she's she's been superb because. Keith Gray has been a massive influence in between the sticks for them in recent years, and she's come in and, look, and looked a natural. Um, I do think while the results haven't gone away, you could name it. You can name a lot of the goalkeepers. Abby McCarty's had good spells at times, but mm-hmm. Amy Mahan, as I say, though she's she came into the season where she was probably chucked in, didn't expect to play an awful lot, probably expected to play an awful lot of 19s football, and she's done really well. I think the young goalkeepers definitely stood up this year. Yeah, Abby's a favourite of mine as well. Uh, I didn't see much of her this year, but she really impressed me last season with some outstanding performances uh, for, for Cork. We better mention, just for the sake of completeness, Trish Fennelly Hunt and Abigail Ronan, just to say they got to mention uh, impressive seasons, just because Trish was probably the busiest person in the in the league this year in goals for for Treaty. Um, and, and to be fair, okay, it didn't happen much in some games, but in a lot of games, she kept them in within a, a goal or, or two of the opposition for, for long, long periods. So, um I always, they never get the credit they deserve, in my opinion. At best rookie of the year. For this, I'm kind of looking towards under 17s, under 19s who've come in uh, first season in the league and have impressed you. Ooh. Scarlett Heron has been very impressive since coming in that long from Piedmont. Um, ooh, that's a, that's, a, that's a really tough one. Orla DC for me in Cork City has superb. been super impressive. Yeah. yeah. Pixie O'Hara, Kerry O'Hara up in Sligo. Uh, Amy Madden again, we could mention her. Um, I've been really, really impressed with them. Amy Madden down in, in I really liked her before she got injured earlier. Do you know who I like? And she, she started to get a little, we've seen little glimpses of her. Young Leo O'Leary from Shelburne, I've seen little glimpses of her and what, she, what she's being capable. I think she's, she's, she's a player to definitely, to definitely watch out for. Um, like this, there is, there's, there's loads of youngsters, like you look, even in Piedmont, there's the likes of Although she probably doesn't class as a, she is a rookie. It's her first year. She's on the nineteenth. So likes of Taro Hanlon. Yeah, you know we've seen the likes of them come in this season, and, and they've impressed a, a, a lot throughout the season. I think there's been. I was going to say Michelle Doonan from Piedmont as well has been very impressive. I I, I quite I thought she added a lot when she came on up front. She probably chances were limited, but um, considering you're in a in an attack that has two or three well established international. Do you know stars, what? I'm going to give you a name. She's not a stand a breakout, but someone to watch. I'm very interested to see how young Lauren McCabe, Katie's younger sister, gets on. She's playing with Rovers on the 17s this year, Ireland mm. on the 16 international. A lot of pressure on her shoulders. She's had a brother who's played League of Ireland and Gary, and then Katie, who's the Ireland <laughs> captain. I'm really interested to see how to watch Lauren's development over the next year or two. Some people say she's she's a good footballer as well, and that's one name I think we, we, we'll be hearing a lot about in the next couple of years. Absolutely. And next on my list, best young player. Now, this isn't necessarily quite that young, but maybe under 21, under 22, uh, maybe a year or two in the league. Who has stood out to you? Maybe, Jeremy, anyone come to mind? Um, I know one player, definitely, I know she's, she's definitely a youngster, would have been her first season as well. But I mentioned it would have been Emma Darty at Sligo. I think she's been a really standout player for Sligo. I know she's nominated for the, for the award as well for, for Young Player of the Year, but you know she's had confidence to boot for Sligo this year and definitely for for their performance this season she's been she's been very very good um Mern Devaney for Athlone as well 
just seems to just be a natural to be like um a player who's played dual sport and all what we, we mentioned earlier about players who've who wanted to play another sport but have been told they can't or might leave a club um you know what watching her the last day you know she's the box the box midfielder she's in the box one minute next minute she's tracking back and almost plays left back for athlone the way that athlone are, are operating with their the, the, the tree back system that they've used a lot this season definitely um a standout player for me but there's Ugh, there's a, there's a, there's a, oh, man, you put me on the spot there now. Trying to trying to think of more players Aaron, than just Aaron, the two. Yourself, anyone strike you? I'm just I'm just checking if she quali- if she qualifies. Uh, but for me, if she doesn't, she's definitely in the reckoning for a lot of a lot of things. Is Jess Hennessy? I know she's only 21, 20. She's in and around that. I think she's been brilliant this year. I think we haven't mentioned the likes of Jesse Stapleton was very good for Shelburne. Mm-hmm. Um, another player who I really enjoyed watching this year. Is Eve Mangan from Cork? Yeah, I love watching. Eve. I think she's she's brilliant. Right? She she goes well to the, the, the middle of the park. Uh, Dermot's already mentioned the likes of Mirren Devaney. Mirren's just she's just, the thing about Mirren is Mirren is she's she's like the likes of Jess Stapleton. She's she's come on so much from her first year to her second year at senior football. And Mirren Devaney, you say I'll have to look her up. What? <laughs> <laughs> she's one of our, our neutral members. She's we're, we're well she's got her. that um that that fiery like hothead spirit in her. Even the last day, like she was she was getting stuck in with tackles. You know, someone went past her, she'd throw the, the shoulder out, or you know, she's got that um that mentality to her that like you you want you want in those players, especially like to be the leader in the middle of the park. You want like a player like herself to um to have that kind of uh, the personality. If you, if, if you met the family, you'd know exactly where she gets it from. They're all uh, well able to, to get involved and stand up for themselves down there in Manor Hamilton. Uh, in terms of, uh, we move on then to the final category I have here. Actually, before we do that, I'll throw one in. The best coach, I know it's, it's one of the awards at the nominations. Who's impressed you, both in terms of results, but also in terms of style of play this year? Jeremy, I'll let you go first. I'll be in trouble no matter how we say it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd have to say Tommy at Athlone the job he has done this year to take Athlone from 7th in the table last year and a quarter final in the cup to league runners up and cup runners up in the space of now, the Dermot, Dermot just be aware there was no non-league teams in the cup last year either so they oh, went yeah. out the fir- so they actually went out in the first round yeah, where this year they entered, they entered in the first round of the cup and they, they got all the way through just to add to your nostalgia. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's just the way that Athlone have gelled, and having spoken to so many Athlone players, and the way that like there's the bond there. You know, Tommy has kind of been that that leader inside in the dressing room, and you know, you mentioned like to to go to Piedmont and get the results like they did to beat the likes of Shells, and to take it to you know almost a playoff on the final day if they would have got that result, and obviously the result had very carried on their way as well. But I just think that for me, the way that he is, he's worked the squad, he's gotten some great players in into the team that are definitely, you know, individually phenomenal. But as as a unit, even seeing them the last day, look, I know they they looked to have kind of going to been like you know deer's caught in the headlights of Tallah Stadium. Maybe the atmosphere or just that game really it didn't suit them. But throughout the season, anytime I've watched that loan, I've been very impressed with the style of play to play with the three back that they do. And on, you don't see them having to, you know, to really struggle defensively. They've been fairly, fairly defensive as well this season. But honestly, for me, he's he's been one of the standout managers of the year for me, to be honest. Aaron, your thoughts? 
Yeah, you'd have no argument. You'd have no argument for me. Um, Tommy's definitely up there. I do. Th- I do think the likes of the, the the fact of what the likes of Sean Bourne has done as well this year, Steve Feeney as well, it's been some good. I think even we have to give him a mention is uh, the, the work that Donald Reardon done with the squad he had and the players he had. You know, to the second half of the season, you could see massive improvements. But for me, Tommy, Tommy, well, no, no, won the double. The one thing you the only the only thing you'd say about that is. Shells are probably in a lot of people's eyes. Shells are expected to do the double, mm-hmm. so maybe no won't get the credit for for what's gone on. But I think Tommy's had a standout season to bring the players to where they have. And you would consider, I think they'd only won three or four, four. I think it was four national league games in a year previously to win to what they've won this year. Is, is it's a massive stride. I think I'd agree with you, principal. But I think if you were giving that out maybe three months ago, Steve Feeney was hands down the best, can um, based on where they came in from. And the second half of the season probably didn't work out the way they would have liked to. But uh, they definitely set down a marker for where they want to get to this year. I genuinely didn't believe at the start of the season they'd have double figures on the, the points tally. They not only double figured it, they double double figured the 20 points they finished on. Um, phenomenal achievements. Whether you included three or not from, from the PMAC game at the start, it's still 17 points on the field of play. Uh, phenomenal season for them in their debut. Um, and I think he'd be in the, in the reckoning for me if we'd done it earlier. Um, second half, probably, you have to say Tommy Hewitt to keep that side as competitive as he did for as, as long as he did. Uh, huge, huge compliment for them. But you could give it to Noel. Noel lost so many players 18 months ago, lost so many players five, six months ago, and still kept that side together, won a double with them. Deserves credit mm-hmm. for that too. So uh, good to see a couple of, of big names in for that award in a couple of weeks' time. Final one I have, obviously, best player. We've got two or three minutes left in the uh, in the hour, lads. Um who has been your best player in the league this year? If she didn't get, get if, if she didn't get injured, you'd probably have to say Jess Gargan. Because up until when the Champions League where she got injured, for me, Jess Gargan was was a shoe in at that stage. I thought she was absolutely superb. When she came back for shells, it looked as though she was never gone. The glove just fit straight back on. And I think you could see that with shells having her there. They loved her. The obvious one that's going to get mentioned a lot is Emily Corbett because of what she's done with what she's done with Athlone. I think she's had a great year with Athlone. Um, there's been there's been multiples there, and I'll let you give me some. <laughs> so, uh, for me, another player. <laughs> for me, another player that if she hadn't got injured, maybe we would have seen a different thing for the season. Would have been um, Ella Malloy at Wexford. Anytime I watched her play as a striker, just to see the way that she can take the ball, um, make the chances, put the ball in the back of the net, the, the quality of goals that she has scored this year, um, to earn the call up to the Ireland camp as well, she's just been she's been a joy to watch. And you know, for, for Wexford, uh, definitely one of the standout players. Obviously, you know you mentioned you know Emily Corbett, and you've seen her the last day. You know she's she she's got the quality, um, and definitely a player that will obviously you know she has been nominated as well. You know, has been a standout player. Um, it is hard to pick because I suppose everyone is going to have maybe the three or four um, standout players that you would have seen maybe throughout the season. I'm trying to think of other players that might be a well, little bit more top off score, the cuff. Top scorer in the league, obviously, on your garment. Yeah, um, on your garment, yeah. But, but again, the more than you mentioned about Noel Ashell's expected to do that almost mm. 22 goals in a season. I think 10 years ago at the start of the league would have been kind of relatively normal for any striker. Amber Barrett was doing it. Yeah. Uh, Anya was doing it. Stephanie was doing it. Like hitting 15 or 20 goals a season. Mm-hmm. It wasn't seen as, as a massive accomplishment across 20 games. 
now it's a really, really impressive feat. And the fact that Anya's well, she, doing she's, she's 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 doing it as a right winger though. Yeah, that's she's not actually yeah. through the middle. That's that's the, mm-hmm. the big thing as well. But I think I think we'd be a bit remiss if we didn't men- I know we mentioned in young player as well that we didn't mention the likes of the two Jesses as well. Because I think Jess Hennessy's been brilliant this year for Athlone. I think for me, if you're looking for maybe an outside bet from the National League of someone who hasn't had an Ireland call up, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets a, a bit of a, a look in in the next year because I think physically she's just come on massively in leaps and bounds. And I just think she she's definitely worth a mention. But the problem is is we we can we we leave somebody out and we we'll always miss somebody. That's the worst thing about these things. I think Kyle Murphy again showed how much leadership she brings to the table uh, down in Wexford. She'd be disappointed one way, one or two things went this year. Um, the defeat to Chelsea at the end, obviously the draw against Piedmont, the missing the penalty up in, in Sligo won't be one of her uh, highlight reel moments. But um, she's just so solid and so dominant in that team. Uh, Emma Doherty probably worth the mention. We know her the, the mm-hmm. young player reward, but but literally she probably earned half, if not more than half, of those points purely on her own determination to, to kind of create her own chances and finish uh, Sligo Rovers. And she won games where they probably didn't deserve to get the, the win or the draw. She was the difference. And she was the, uh, the, the ceiling factor on, on that score or whatever. Uh, she rocked up with 11 goals in those games. Um, I'm not sure if Sligo managed a whole pile more. Gemma McGuinness um, did contribute a little bit down there as well. But uh, Lauren Bowles, uh, I suppose better the, the, the mentions in for the girls of Sligo. But, but there were... And some impressive performances. Who stands out? It's hard to tell. Um, we haven't really mentioned any of the Shells girls either. Pearl Slattery, and we saw with the second goal at the weekend, um, probably epitomised her whole character and her whole attitude to the game. And it just she put her head in where other people wouldn't put their feet, in, and that's why they scored that second goal and and had that little bit of comfort um, it, towards the end of that game. So it's been a phenomenal season. Ireland qualified for the World Cup. Um, women's football is on a high. Aaron has his flights booked to Australia. <laughs> Jeremy is trying to work out how he's going to pay for his. Um, it's it's a phenomenal phenomenal time to be involved with the with the sports. And um, from our point of view, I've really enjoyed covering it. Uh, your thoughts to wrap up, boys? Probably one of the most enjoyable seasons. Mm, definitely. Yeah, I think Definitely. it's been it's been highlights from from the bottom up. Even the teams that have been struggling this year, mm-hmm. uh, there's still some really impressive performances individually and collectively over the last seven or eight months. I am so excited for it to start all over again, even a little bit earlier because of that World Cup break next year. So we'll find out more details of that, and we'll be back with you again in the new year for uh, a third season of the Women's National League podcast here on FinalWhistle.ie. I'm sure Aaron and Jared will not be that far from the, the podcast. We have some contract negotiations with Aaron now uh, over the next <laughs> couple of months. Uh, Jeremy, unfortunately, you're boxed in. You're going nowhere. Uh, uh, we do have some comments, actually. No, we don't. Uh, they're all totally inappropriate, so we won't mention any of that. <laughs> <laughs> a quick look through it. Saw a couple of words. We won't be showing them on the on air. Yeah, no. Gentlemen, uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll be back with you again next season, as I said, from myself, Brett Herity, from Aaron Jeremy, and all the team here at Final Whistle who covered the Women's National League up and down the country over the last eight, nine months and the last two seasons, indeed. Uh, we'll be back with you very, very shortly. Talk to you next year. <laughs>